This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Let's fuck this shit. It's only King. Why do you have to be mad? Folks, welcome back. It's us, Christina and, and Audrey, the Puck Bunnies. <laughs> and we are pleased and proud and honored, graced by the presence of Allison Lucan. Hi, Allison. Ladies, this is the height of my professional career. Oh, Allison. Allison. Can't even discuss. You Don't just, say that. Yeah, Don't I mean, say like, that. in a way, some of the highest mountain peaks are actually in the ocean. That's, yes, that's, that's in that true. way, this is the peak of your career. Welcome to the Marianas Trench of the hockey <laughs> wow, media that landscape. Really like that. that is amazing. Allison, you write for The Athletic I for do. the Blue Jackets. You cover Ohio State hockey. Yes. Is there anything else that you would like what, to say? What, that you do, do you have right any X-Man now? powers that we should know about? No, I, you know, I can tend to be pretty foul mouthed. My, my swearing for 60 is pretty high. <laughs> it might be elite. That's my favorite stat. And I'm also insane because I'm a stupid early morning person oh. and I do a job that keeps me up late. So there you go. Those are my extreme abilities. Wait, how That's awesome. early in the morning are we talking? Ready? For I'm, this? Re- I'm, I'm strapped in. Dude. Oh no. Five. Oh! That's okay. not that bad. That's reasonable. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's reasonable. The diversity and reactions was amazing. <laughs> well, for my job now, I work the early shift, so I have to be at work at 8. So I get up at like 6.15 now, okay. and it's miserable. Like, I hate it with my life. But I feel like 5.30 then is not that much of a stretch. And sometimes I tell myself, you know, maybe if you started waking up at 5.30, you could go to the gym, and then you could go to work. That's what I do. That's what I do. It has never once happened for me. Oh. I'm working on it, <laughs> but it, I've never done it successfully. So I- <laughs> I'll start calling you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. An hour. <laughs> Allison Luke an alarm clock, like just your ass. That's what I need. I need a life coach. The only coach. time I was ever able to manage going to the gym early was when I was living with my boyfriend, who we were not doing well at that time. And so I figured out that that the way I could maximize my time outside of the home was, uh, and not with him, was if I went to bed at like 9.30 and then got up at like 4.30 to go to the gym and then spent the yeah. whole day at work. And then I came home and I'm like, oh my God, I have to go to bed. I have to- I'm so tired. I was in such great shape. I was miserable. Allison, you're in Vegas right now, right? I am sitting, looking out at, I think this is the South Strip. Yes, I'm here for the Blue Jackets game tonight. Wow. Have you been to Vegas before? Oh, yes. It is. We end up out here, and it's my husband's favorite place. So, well, not favorite place, but he likes being out here. So we always end up making sure that this is on the sketch. 
I missed you a couple of weeks ago when you were in the Vegas of the East Coast, Washington, oh, D.C. I know. The most glamorous locations to um, fly out to. I used to live in D.C. I love D.C. No way. And yes, and I lived in Adams Morgan on Colorado. Oh, she's a party girl. Oh she's a party girl. Here's a little known fact. I was Miss Adams Morgan 2001. <gasps> That's insane. What? <laughs> It's the most ridiculous story in the whole wide world, yes. Oh, oh my God. You need to lead with that. Like, that should be at the top of your resume. <laughs> Why isn't that in, like, your website bio or anything? Because it's insane, and I have no talent. So my talent, my only thing I could do was I was like, well, you know, the people who win these things. I was trying to raise money for a charity, P.S., by the way. So yeah. I was like, you know, you see these women who win, and they have, like, a theme. They have a whole pl- platform they're running on. You're moneyballing this shit. Tell you what, so the charity I was raising money for was for an AIDS support center um, in DC, Mm -hmm. and this was 2001, so this was still a little controversial. I found a poem written by a child who had HIV, and I was going to recite the poem. That's literally the height of the talent I could come up with, that's it. So I get up on stage, I completely forget the poem. I made up Oh my god! You did, that's just spoken word. Like, that's spoken word poetry. People are like, like, one of the judges is crying. And like, my one, my one friend who's in the contest who sings like a songbird, who sang God Rest the Child acapella, is like fuming. She's like, you made that shit up. I was listening to you practice. That wasn't even remotely the poem. And then I freaking end up winning. So Allison, yeah, it was crazy. That's, that's awesome. one of the best stories that's I've ever so heard. Cool. You have like a recording of yourself <laughs> doing this? Can you imagine watching that? No, no. Oh, I, no. No, 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 no. My now husband was there. And afterwards, he just like looked at me and was just like shaking his head. He's like, what is wrong with <laughs> So yes, I used to live in DC. And to be clear, we can blame Tom Wilson for not meeting. Yes, Because I yes. tweeted out a gif of him and him making a big dirty hit. And mm-hmm. my mentions went batshit crazy, and we I missed your messages till after the fact. The amount of times that Tom Wilson has ruined an evening for me, honestly, <laughs> like, at this point, it's gotta be at least a half oh, Okay, a so times. I do have a question about hockey now. So, <laughs> Allison, I, I don't know if you know this, I've only been a fan of hockey for about two years. And so you bring up Tom Wilson. So tell us about your hockey history. Like, tell us how you got into this. Because I, my leading question is, has there ever been another just big asshole like Tom Wilson that everyone blamed on? <laughs> Who's also very hot. Like, because I would like to, yeah. I need some new material. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. And there probably were a lot more decades ago when the game was different. It was better. The good old days. But I suggest for the hockey fan, Columbus Blue Jacket Josh Anderson, who is yes! Tom Wilson yes! without the hit, without the dirty hits. Oh, man. Absolutely. We provide Absolutely you an agreed. alternative, a, a delightful alternative. He is yes. like, what's the alignment? He's like good Tom Wilson. Exactly. True good. Exactly. Lawful. That's right. Lawful good. Lawful good wow, Tom Wilson. Terrible, <laughs> terrible thing I just said. But anyway, so back to you. So like, how did you get into all of this? Take us through it. Because I know so many of our listeners are people who want to get more involved in sports. And it's really exciting for them to hear about how people got started in it. Yeah, um, it's bizarre. I mean, we all have different paths. When I was little, so I grew up in Columbus, my dad would take me skating. There was this outdoor ice rink in Columbus and we would go skating and he had hockey skates from when he played in high school. Nothing like hardcore, but he played. And I was like, why do your skates look different than, you know, all the figure skating skates? So I knew a little bit about it from back then. 
Then I actually, I was gone from Columbus by the time they got the chill, which was an East Coast team. And then I went to college, I was moving all around. And when I finally stopped traveling a ton, I was in DC and, and was following the Caps, ironically, mm-hmm. and then moved back to Columbus. We were going to Blue Jackets games. <laughs> the long story short about why I like stats is because I thought shots on goal were a bullshit stat Whoa. <laughs> properly. And um, just started writing and writing, writing on a blog and was lucky enough to have some awesome mentors um, who not only helped me learn how to write, I'm not professionally trained in any sort of way, as some people probably can guess, had some mentors, had some great people who advocated for me and helped me find opportunity. And now I just keep plugging along, doing my thing. That's so cool. I mean, obviously, neither Christina nor I are professionally trained in pretty much no, anything. Yeah. I'm barely potty trained, uh, so. so, like, you know. <laughs> you guys are freaking brilliant. You know it. You're wonderful. You're witty. You're amazing. You're, like, the highlight of my Twitter oh day. Oh, my God. Please stop. Oh, I'm going to, like, I'm going to bust. But, okay, so I love hearing stories <laughs> like that because one of the people that I respect the most, she, she got me into, like, sports journalism when I was younger, is, is Katie Baker. And she yes, totally yes. left. A totally different, like, a Wall Street life. And like it worked and she's amazing at it. And yeah. I remember yeah. being in college and just, it wasn't even her sports writing. It was like those, she did those power rankings of the vow section yep. that I was obsessed with. <laughs> and I was just like, this one is the coolest. And I just, I'm so happy to meet another woman like you who just, I like this and I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my previous job for many years had zero to do with sport or What'd hockey. You do? I was a strategic planning consultant. Oh, uh, uh-huh doing that kind of stuff and living in cold corporate America and just- Yes, very DC job. Yes, and then left it and uh, it's just crazy. It's totally bizarre. I will say, do you think that that corporate experience sort of helps you in your writing? Because I, I talked to a lot of people who said it, it does. It helps you be more like structured. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that for sure. I think that it helps me like say, this story has to have a point, right? Like particularly with mm-hmm. what I write, like I can't just say someone's good at something. I want to be able to show that they're good at it, draw a conclusion from it and say that that's relevant. But it also, ironically, like hockey culture is so strange. And there are so many things that I did do in corporate America with working on communication and working on healthy organizations and (laughs) things like this that that it's like, how do they not do some of these things in the hockey world? So that is kind of shocking. It's looking at management of yes. something completely different when you do not work in a management style setting anymore and being like, hmm, exactly. interesting choices we're making here. <laughs> that is, you nailed it. That's totally, it's like, that's a choice. That's a thing yep, we can for do. for sure. Okay, so I guess we can talk about the My Blue gosh. Jackets. Okay. <laughs> so I know they're in the middle of like their West Coast swing right now. Yes. They are really, they're on a heater right now, which is surprising <laughs> considering the fact that like at one point in the first half of the season, they were 11 points out of the playoffs. Yes. Um, just looking like they couldn't get anything going. Can you take us through how they've managed to turn it around? Especially given the fact that literally everyone's dead. Like they're dying, they're dead. I know. They have broken ribs, they have torn ligaments it's nuts it it is insane like i literally thought i was going to run out of twitter characters when i have to tweet how many injuries there were how many people i mean we the height was 11 the height was 11 so of course i'm a nerd so i track all kinds of different things and when (laughs) players are injured their little box gets filled red for the game and like my spreadsheet is literally bleeding like it's literally (laughs) just (laughs) 
unwell. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the long, and, and you guys detailed all that last episode. People should be listening to the show regularly. P.S. By the way. <laughs> but uh, so basically what happened to this team is when they started, this is one of the best defensive teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be a big offensive powerhouse. And when the season started, they could not finish. And it was, they literally had, I think it's the third at the Christmas break, their shooting percentage was the third worst since 2013-14 of any team. So they were, they literally couldn't finish. Like there were games we would just laugh. We're like, this is ridiculous. At that point, you're just skating in circles, just yeah. hoping the other team doesn't score. Right. And so I think, <laughs> and that gets in your head, right? Yeah. You can't not. So I think ironically what happened is when the injuries started, because they were to key guys, it almost took them out of their heads. They couldn't worry about it anymore. They were like, mm-hmm. holy shit, we've, we've just got to figure something out. They had to worry about different things. And of course, luck comes into play. If you get... If if you have such bad luck, it's going to even out. So shooting percentage has come back a little bit and their goaltending has matured both in Eunice Corposalo, who is of course now hurt because of course he mm-hmm. is, and Elvis Merzlikens, who gets to start in Las Vegas. So this is going to be fun. That must be a dream for him. I remember reading a story on him maybe last summer, two summers ago, about following around when he was playing in Europe. It was a, you know, a prospect story about like, oh, there's this goaltender who's going to come over to Columbus eventually. And his name like, is Elvis. <laughs> and he's a weird dude. Like, let's do a story about him. What is he like? He, I will tell you, like, and, you know, you have to be careful because he did not have a good start to the season. And, yeah, you know, people were kind of sensitive to, is he all PR and no performance? First of all, an awe moment. He's named Elvis because it was one of his dad's favorite artists growing up. Yeah. But he is, honest to God, one of the most fascinating people that I've been talking to, particularly in the hockey world, just because he's very contemplative. He knows a ton. Like I was talking to him about his tattoos and he's like, well, I have Native, I have this Native American woman on my shoulder. And I'm like, well, why is that? He's like, well, because I studied the Native Americans and much like the Latvians, they are a small group of people who, and I'm like, right. what whoa (laughs) and he's been through a lot to be where he is knowing his life story is kind of insane um so he's he's just very interesting to talk to he's not giving you a lot of canned speech he's very honest he does not shy away from criticism when he's played poorly he's been really honest about it and and on on the ice he's just hilariously a delight and he's finally starting to put his game together if anyone saw the san jose game he literally goes behind the net to check the puck carrier. Yes. Incredible. And then dives back to make a diving save. Known defenseman Elvis Merzlikens. And I was upset that he didn't get a hit caught for that. He hit it. Yeah. So what I'm I'm doing right now is I'm looking up Elvis's birthday because I really, I really need to know. He's Uh, Aries. That makes sense. Wait, I've done Uh, this. I've definitely done this. Yeah, that makes (laughs) I love it. So what you were saying about Elvis being so honest about his performance and being able to evaluate himself that way, do you think that's something that like John Tortorella kind of admires him for that? Is that why you think they've had a good relationship despite this poor start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and Torts has said as much. He's like, the guy has swagger, right? And he, <laughs> he likes his confidence. And I think Torts will be brutally honest and give you shit. And I, he's one of those guys that will respect if you give it right back. Right. Mm-hmm. So my question yeah. is, is I know that Torres has had some problems in the past with players that have had attitude that he didn't like. So what is the difference yeah. between Elvis and someone like Anthony Duclair? Okay, so 
it's hard it's hard because I want to hear the voices that have looked at that situation from the outside, the Duclaris situation. Mm-hmm. It's important to hear all those voices. And it's important not to get totally snowed by just my perspective right. and the privilege I have. So the, what's hard for me in all of this is that from the very start, Anthony Duclair's agent is Vinny LaCavalle's brother. And Vinny played for Torts. Yeah. And when when Duclair was looking at his offers for last year, his agent called his brother and his brother said, if you want to be the best hockey player you can be, you should go play for Torts. And so Duclair did that. Everyone came into this eyes open that it was going to be difficult, mm-hmm. that there was work to do in his game. Duclair knew it. Torts never, ever, ever shied away from praising him offensively. It was his play away from the puck. And the problem yeah. was by the time the quote came out that everyone cites... And this is this is on Torts. This is on handling himself. But by the time he said that, he had been saying so much about the player's development to us covering the team that when he said that, I was like, yeah, okay, it's just we've been hearing right. this. But but that quote went out to a bunch of people who weren't following the situation, and it sounded very brash. Very out of like, context. Oh my yeah. god. That's right. And again, that is on Torts to not say that thing to people who don't have the context. But I do think I do think that while they probably weren't best friends i don't think there's any underlying animosity between the two and i don't think that it was people are like john tortorella traded him away wanted him out of town first of all there is a general manager of a team no the coach makes trades that's so interesting yeah. though, because i feel like on teams where the coach's personality isn't very strong it's all the gm and then on and then like and vice right. versa and i it's people need a bad yeah, guy people totally, need a bad yeah. guy there's one little note that came out, but this was in the wake of all the crazy gangbuster trades that the Blue Jackets made. I mean, the Blue Jackets had to pay to get all of the talent they got. Duclair was part of that. The day Duclair was traded on a game day, and he was told he was traded after that game was over in Columbus. So it was a very crazy scene. Torts didn't get to talk to him before he left. And the next day, Torts ran practice with one of Duclair's mm-hmm. sticks. He played he 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 ran the practice holding one of Duclair's sticks the entire practice. So, they're not going to be best friends, but I don't think he st- he screwed up in what he said. I don't think it's as harsh as some may perceive, but I will never tell people they're wrong based mm-hmm. on I understand where they're coming yeah. from, and I think that the only other comment I have there is it's important to remember that <laughs> a lot of players maybe don't like torts when they're playing for him. But they realize yes. after that he helped them. And he's he's a pretty different coach from his New York days, from his Vancouver days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was just asking just because it's so it's so interesting <laughs> when some sort of zany I feel like goalies also get get, oh, totally. get a lot of wiggle room in terms of being weird. Mm-hmm. So and I, it's just different from every player. So I was just curious for your take on that. He lo- he loved Scott Hartnell, who like yeah. if you know yeah. Scott Hartnell and Torts loved him. If John Tortorella ever wanted like a PTI type show about hockey, they should give that to him. I think he would be a great. <laughs> My colleague has asked him this. He's like, you say you want more character in the game, right? So you're not going right. to try and stifle Elvis, right? He's got to practice what he preaches on this one for mm-hmm. sure. And that's something mm-hmm. interesting that I, I've been seeing lately too is I honestly think it's just random, but there's been all these like really flashy goals and just a lot of weird yes. stuff happening lately. And I think it's really exciting. And I bet there are some old hockey dudes who were just pissed 
They are just fucking pissed Oh, the lacrosse, the whole lacrosse goal thing. I mean, it's a gatekeeping thing, like, obviously. Totally. That's one of the reasons why I like the Blue Jackets so much as a team is because even if it's a quote-unquote smaller market, you know, aka it's not (laughs) Toronto, um, the team itself has so much personality and, like, the fan base has so much personality. And I agree with you. Like, can we please discuss how much ridiculous energy was wasted on hating the storm surge? Oh, my God. Seriously. But, yeah, I mean, Columbus is, poor Columbus fans have been through a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit? About last year's playoff run, what it was like covering the team when they were playing Tampa. Oh, What was your journey through that (laughs) insane week where up was down and wrong was right? I mean, listen, if I told you I thought they'd win one game, I'd be lying. It's just the fact of the matter. And that's not a slight on those guys, but... I, the first period of game one was so bad. I was literally like just fighting Twitter trolls on Twitter and just being like ridiculous. And in other people's mentions, just because I was just like, whatever, it's over. But when they won game one, I was like, what? Well, that's nice. I mean, that's so cute. That's good. It's good to get one. swept. And it was just, it was such a cool time. It was really a blast to see those guys enjoy it. It was really a blast to see the city enjoy it. I mean, they had, after the series was over, they had so much time before the next series. They ran an open practice at noon on a Monday and 5,000 people showed up. That's so cool. That's insane. Like, I got to write such a cute story when the players went home after the sweep and the coaches and stuff and neighbors left gifts on their doorsteps. It was just, it was really, it was a really cool time. And I think in a city like Columbus that's dominated by Ohio Mm -hmm. State, to get that spotlight is huge. And what, what I think was also equally important about it, again, like a lot of people don't follow Columbus hockey. I get it. But that was a huge commercial to free agents, too, which is what yeah, they're going absolutely. to need to get is like to say to other players, if you perform, we're going to go in and your GM has your back. I think it was huge for that perspective, too. So now that it's January, are you getting the <laughs> sense that there's going to be any sort of movement around the trade deadline? Is there a sense within the organization that they're going to be targeting specific players? Do they have or, any money? Like to gear up to make a run? Oh, they have tons of, because everybody left. They have so tons, they have tons of, of money. I, okay, so, okay, so, so, I, so yeah. like I said, I was, I'm a new hockey fan. So I didn't know if for some reason, like whenever they made those acquisitions last season, if they had somehow like, oh, they're not allowed to do that again this year <laughs> or something. Yeah. No, it's it's a good question because that's some people want rules like that for first overall picks in the draft. Hello, Edmonton. But no, it's a great question. No, they have a ton of money and they even they did. They tried to offer sheet Mitch Marner, but that (laughs) did not go to fruition. But they have a ton of cash and they just there weren't the big fish. I, I don't think that they offered everyone and everyone said no, but they didn't. They brought in one player, Gus Nyquist, who's been really key for them. Honestly, it's kind of still too early to know if they're going to do something at the deadline. I don't think they're going to do anything close to what they did last right. year because they don't have the assets. And for I trades, will say that I'm honest. Yeah. trade assets aren't there. I mean, I'm looking at who's on, I'm that's looking right. at who's on the block, and I'm like, if the number one rental is Chris Kreider, that's a right. That's not a buyer's market. That's come right. on, okay, he's come not on. very good, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. The Jackets would only they would only trade for someone with term. They're not going to trade for a yeah. free agent and. It's such a weird time because they are playing so well right now, but I think they're kind of hitting that point where they are now needing the injured guys to come back. They need that offensive talent. So I think if they're in the hunt, I mean, Jarmo Kekalainen's always looking, but I don't think he's going to do something massive, but I think he would certainly make a trade if they're in the conversation as the deadline gets close. 
Yeah, I just don't even know what you would do if I don't know what I would do if I was a coach or a GM in the situation because you're on the cusp. You don't have anyone that you can like trade away right now for like someone's first round pick in the next draft. So you're just kind of like stuck here. So I guess you get you, you just grind. have to get all your injured players on steroids. Like you gotta <laughs> they get should them be allowed going. to do that. Cam Atkinson, let's go. What happened to him? He has a sprained ankle. Yes, oh. yes, high ankle oh, sprain, and he's he's skating. But yeah, it ha- you have to make sure that heals well. Otherwise, it's just gonna get hurt. Have y'all ever sprained your ankle? Yes. I've broken um, my ankle. I've sprained my ankle, and like I w- I didn't know this, but I went to the doctor, and they're like, it's almost as bad as breaking your ankle when you sprain it. Yeah, there's because it's you're the worst. because you're tearing I'm, the ligament. Right. Anyways, yeah. health advice. I actually Cam Atkinson is delightful. I think he's extremely underrated. I was so happy that he went to the All Star game last year. Yes. Is who is he like close with on the team? Would you say? What are kind of the locker room dynamics? Yes. So it's interesting. It's so crazy because like I remember when Cam came up for his first year and now he's like a dad. I know. It's crazy. So I, I do think that's part of it. I think now he's there's a group of dads, right? If you're if you're a player who has young kids like Nick Felino, David Savard, Cam, mm-hmm. those guys are certainly going to have a lot in common. Uh, and Cam is going home to his family probably a lot more now too. They're not like going out every night. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. And he was super close with the core like friend group when they all kind of came into the league together was Ryan Johansson, Matt Calvert, and Cam Atkinson. What a fucking crew, can I just say. I know. So, and I think those three remain close. Yeah. So that was kind of there. But what's crazy about this group is they're like super tight. We walked into the locker room for the first game this season, and I literally went up to the PR guy because I was just like, this room feels different. It just feels Mm -hmm. good. But like, you know, the young guys hang out, the European guys like to hang out, Pierre-Luc Dubois is like this goofy, I don't know, dorm room dad, bringing all the young guys in. I can't talk about I can, it. I do, I, you know, like I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I pretend I do not see it. <laughs> to pretend I do not see Which is my favorite meme, by the way, right now. I, I love it. <laughs> okay, Allison. It's so good. I will say, you post some dank-ass memes on the timeline sometimes. Like, yeah. I saved one that you posted. I was like, very good at Twitter. Well, because listen, sometimes I just have no time for the bullshit. So you've just got to... <laughs> Well, also, I mean, we are all inspired by the work of Sarah Sivian, I believe, uh, in just dealing with people who are horrible. And I think, you know, in all of it, and she articulated, I think, what I was feeling too. She said it so well. Part of why it's important to call these people out is that people maybe don't understand or don't realize what women go through, particularly yeah, how in this bad industry. It is. And I think like, I even had a coach come up to me one time after something happened on Twitter. He was like, I had no idea. And, and again, it's my choice. And if I didn't want to put up with it, I, I could choose to do something else. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's really important for people to understand what this current landscape looks like and Absolutely. what it feels like. So she said it brilliantly. If they were not doing it to me, they'd just be doing it to somebody else. And they will. Exactly. Yeah. And that's for me too. I'm old enough now and my give a fuck is a low enough on the meter now that like, yeah. that's the thing. Like I have no patience for this. This is not okay. It's just not okay. And like, I feel like I kind of went through a crash course of this just in terms of people harassing you online. And like now I'm just numb to it and I forget that other people yeah. aren't. And so I talk about mm-hmm. it in a way that's very blasé. And then I show some of my friends and they're like, Christina, I'm going to call the police. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and so it's weird when you talk about it to other people because you don't really realize because it's just your reality. Uh, and that's and that's yeah. also yeah. why I think it's, it's important to talk about it because I should know that people shouldn't talk to me like that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, and, and, you know, my thing, too, is, like, it's such crap. If you were standing in front of me, person on Twitter, oh, yeah. would you say those things? No. You wouldn't. No. 
and that's that's what's crap about it that it's because it's totally shady and it's totally just like grow a pair and if you're only say what you're gonna say to someone yeah allison how tall are you i'm 5'11 Whoa! Of course they're not Tall gonna girls fuck. only. They're not gonna fucking say it to your face, dude, because you like drop kick them in the crotch. I'm six feet tall. Audrey's kind of short. I'm five nine. I'll tell you what. Sarah's coming to town here soon, and so we'll take a picture and we'll post it for you guys. You'll see. Whenever Sarah and I went to our White Claw influencer event, there's this one picture. I was wearing my normal <laughs> boots, and my boots have like four inch heels because I love to feel huge. And she just is like right up to my tit. I she's like, my, like my boot could have been resting on. Like this is yeah, my child. Like, I'm taking this is my daughter, my Sarah. Here's my niece that I'm taking on our White Claw trip. Weren't you in front of the plane? Wasn't that right by the plane? Oh yeah, it was right yeah. by the plane. My spoiled niece. <laughs> the plane that Chris- Christina made do tricks. <laughs> I did. I did make him do tricks, and he did. He did hit on me. It was the best day of my life. Even though that pod brought wrath, like that oh. was one of the funniest, however many minutes it was of my life listening it to was that. Really that was really good. Oh my God. It was really I, good. Okay, wait. I would like to do, while we're talking about the Columbus yes. locker room, I would like to do some superlatives. Ooh. Oh boy. Okay. I'm ready. First of all, let's start with Nick Felino, toughest captain in the NHL. Can you confirm or deny? Uh, confirm. Oh. You don't have to back it up. We believe you. <laughs> you don't have to nice write to any evidence and have her like, in the NHL what... Seth Jones yes or yes oh yeah that's some style I'm so I jealous I love that article he has style and yeah. it was like genuine like, I was expecting it to be like just kind of basic impressionistic stuff no he has an eye yeah yeah, yeah. And really interesting stuff too, right? And what I love too is like, he's just owning living his life in the moment that it's in right now. And I think that's fantastic. And he can cook. Again, I pretend I do not I forget see it. That, I forget <laughs> that Seth Jones is like a very fancy boy sometimes. I forget, I forget that some of these guys are like sons boy. of professional athletes and are they're like incredibly fancy. I know. So when, right. I, when I find out right. stuff like the like interior decorating, I, I get weak. When you were talking about your swears per minute, who on the team has the highest swears per minute? Oh, see, this is hard because like they clean it up when we're in there. Right. But I will say it's always funny because someone will say something and then they look at me and they go, sorry. I'm like, dude, it's totally fine. The easy answer is torts, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> who has the best manners? Most polite. Oh, it might be Pierre-Luc Dubois. The most tricky, most the tricksterest one. That's not a word. Oh, like like pranks like that. So I think, and again, we don't get to see a lot of this, but I understand that it might be one of them ranking highly would be David Savard. Interesting. What I understand. Yes. Um, who always interrupts other people's interviews? Oh, that's a good one. Who can't keep their mouth shut Who's in the Christina? locker room? <laughs> um. I mean, Nick, Nick Foligno talks a lot, but he kind of has to because he's the captain. And I will say, like, I think this was part of the thing early with Elvis. Like, he will talk a long time. It's good, but he will talk a long time. Riley Nash is always good for, like, a little zing from the side. Yeah, I can definitely see that. This is the last one. Who is the guy who's the nerdiest, who's, like, the biggest <gasps> yes. hockey nerd? Hockey nerd. Ooh. Who's, like, into stats? Um, you know, I don't know if anyone's into stats. They need to grow up. They <laughs> well, but here's my thing. I don't think players need to be into stats. I think coaches need to be into stats. Oh, yeah. I think front offices need to be into stats. I don't think players need to at all. They got other stuff to think about. They are the ones with the talent, right? So they just need to have coaches understand what the stats advise so that the players can be coached to maximize See, their I'm talent. such an analytical mm-hmm. person that I'm like, I, no, I want to know the secrets to everything. Like, Sure. If you played in the NHL, you would also be Googling yourself like yeah, every day. <laughs> 
I mean, I think there are guys who become that, mm-hmm. right? But I, I'm always annoyed when people are like, well, do the players care about stats? I'm like, I don't yeah, care if the players yeah. care. That, that's not essential. Okay, then it's just straight up nerdiest then. Straight, oh, well. There's different kinds of nerdy. So Ryan Murray is a very specific kind of music oh. nerd in a good way. Old school music. Love and it. he plays the guitar. And he's old school music nerdy. Um, oh, you know what? They're all super, fo- all the young guys, like even Zach Wierenski, are big Fortnite nerds. Big Fortnite nerds. You know what? I remember th- about Zach Wierenski that he was like, very into oh gaming God. at least yes. for a, he was doing some sort of charity yes tournament oh, and, him or and something. jt brown yeah. right yep yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. had a little Fortnite tournaments together a little, little Fortnite <laughs> thing i don't know whatever like you do yeah so they're big whatever big the gamers. kids are doing these days yeah. big gamers yeah well they're and they're all particularly like alex wenberg they're clothes nerds oh, right yes nerds. oh you take one look at alexander wenberg and be like you spend an absurd amount of but money on clothing, so don't good. you? Oh, he puts it together. Yeah, he's he's got great style. Great, great style. Your stories incorporate so many different elements, and that's why I love them, because they might be stats-based, but then they also have GIFs and video clips and like all this other information, and they're so well-formatted that you still very quickly get the point of what you're saying, and they're so informative that I'm, I cannot read numbers like I can't I, I look at numbers and yeah and I just rash. have to say I learned what a four check was from your articles about Aww. about the no like about the blue jackets during the playoffs last year because I was like everyone's yeah. saying this f word a lot I should probably figure out what it means and I was like where am I gonna find this out and I'm like oh Allison didn't know can you take us through like while you're watching a game what your process is while you're putting together a story yeah, well, while I'm watching a game is like sheer madness. It's crazy. So while I'm watching a game, I'm obviously watching the game. Um, and then um, I've got some stat sites I keep up. I keep up Hockey Viz. I keep up Evolving Hockey, Natural Stat Trick, and Money Puck. All the good guys. Yes. And then I have a window up to grab gifts. Um, if I see a play, I'll grab the GIF. If I can, I'm tracking um, entries and exits while the game is going on. And then what I like to do is kind of keep just like a running storyline of the game, like period one, Blue Jackets goal first, opponent power play, things like this. So that when I go down into the room, because it all happens so fast that when you ask a question, you have to remember what happened that quickly. And I'll make notes. I'll make notes too about, I want to ask Sonny Milano about that pass, or I want to make sure to ask about this thing I see in the numbers in a way that the player will hopefully answer. Or I might come up with a bigger story idea for a non-game story. So it just kind of controlled chaos. And then I come back up to the press level after the game. And my colleagues do most of the game stories. I only do a couple. So I just write up some analytical bullet points, send them to them. We do a ridiculous YouTube video recap of the game. And then I'm on It's so way. good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's probably usually at like 1130. Oh, it's insane. Midnight. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do during intermission? Is that when you're like responding to people on Twitter? Are you putting like, are you trying to catch up on stuff? Are you on Getting Slack? <laughs> Some days you wish. Yeah. If you're if you're in one of the cities with like tonight in Vegas, Vegas's press box snack food is A plus. I've heard all of their stuff. All of their like uh, amenities are amazing. Here's what I need. I need Top-notch. somebody. I need some writer to start start doing like press box snack watch as a hashtag and just take taking a nice pick of what we've got going on just like a scouting report on the snacks 
forced them to get you better snacks if they were ashamed. <laughs> yeah, because then they're going to start comparing. Yeah. They're going to see what other arenas are doing. Barring major catastrophe, I will try and get one out yes. tonight for you. Yes. <laughs> Whenever I know somebody who's in town who's going to cover a Caps game, like Marissa, who was in town last week, I was like, so what's the snack situation? That's amazing. And free and yeah. dairy free. Chicago's really good. Oh. Dallas is A+. Plus. And Dallas is like, at the end of the game, they'll come say while you're writing, like, do you want an ice cream? And they're awesome. Yes, I do want an ice cream. Yes, I, I do. do. Best team. You know it's, like, incredible when they're giving you breakfast or brunch at the morning skate. Yes. That's when it gets really fun is the playoffs. Like, when it was, when the Kings were in the playoffs, was it their first Stanley Cup run? The folks were literally tweeting out the food because they'd bring in just like cases of in and out all kinds of awesome stuff. They were over the top. I was like, I've never wanted to be out there more than just to eat the food. I don't care. I think what uh, Columbus should do next time is they should have a Skyline chili spread. Ooh. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, you know what that is, Audrey? I'm here for it. Um, no. So in uh, I actually, you know what, Allison, I would like you to tell Audrey what, uh, what this is. <laughs> so okay, all the haters, it's good. Can it's just really good. Go away. So there's so there's a thing uh, that's Cincinnati chili is a thing. It's not as red. It's more of a brown because I think they okay. put cinnamon. I think that's why. I think it's a cinnamon base. But it's delicious. Yeah. And then when you kind of, order yeah. Cincinnati chili, you order it. You can get two way, three way, four way, and it's on top of pasta and then on top you can get cheese and onions and jalapeno peppers and so like each element is another way right so it's like this delightful joy of of happiness it's just so good i love it that sounds like i'm allergic <laughs> to all of it but uh, <laughs> it sounds awesome in in the concept i admire it as a concept as an idea that i can think about it's like so, Allison, I wanted to ask you really quickly just about your work in college hockey, particularly women's hockey. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how you got into that and what some of the big storylines for, like, Ohio State women's hockey have been this year? Yeah. So um, I was lucky to be able to start bringing some of those stories in because The Athletic wanted us to cover more of the local hockey scene and not just the NHL scene. And so, it, first of all, it just makes me so mad because the women's hockey players are not tainted by years and years of press training. Right. And mm -hmm. they're delightful people. They're so awesome to talk to. They're really talented. They love what they're doing. It's been really cool to see this program come together because if people haven't been following them before this coach, who's now in her fourth year, this team, for a variety of reasons, including some allegations of misconduct and then also some NCAA sanctions, went through three coaches in three years. Wow. And they were really not good. They had a hard time attracting high-end talent. And so they brought in Nadine Muzzerall, who has overhauled the program. She took them to their first Frozen Four appearance ever. And now they're finally starting to get elite talent. They have two players who have been in the national conversation, Jincy Dunn, a defenseman who's insanely good for US, and Emma Malte, who's for Canada, who's younger, who's just kind of starting her journey in that program. Cool. So what's exciting now is to see, can they sustain? They're, they're in such a difficult conference, and can they get themselves into to the national conversation where they're regularly going back to the NCAA tournament. They've got some super exciting defensive talent that I just love watching right now. And so I'm really excited to see. They just swept this weekend over a conference of oh, wow. which is awesome. And 
I really hope that they can get back to the NCAA tournament this year. I think they can. If they keep playing this way, I think they so can. So you think that like That's Ohio so cool. State having a successful hockey team, like a women's hockey team like this, could be sort of a lesson to other schools like Ohio State, big schools, who are perhaps looking for a Division One sport for women to add to their roster for Title IX reasons? Yeah, I th- unfortunately, I think that maybe there are better schools doing that. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's some facility issues at Ohio State that I think mm. the school could be more aggressive about, particularly for the women. Um, I think Penn State is an excellent yeah. example. When the Pagulas came in with their donation, they built a beautiful facility for two teams, a men's team and a that's women's amazing. team women's right team. off the bat. Mm. So I think that's a great model. And I think that coupled with Ohio State has a team, Wisconsin has a team, Minnesota has a team. Now, to your point, there's starting to be some pressure within the Big Ten for other Big Ten yeah. schools. That's really cool. But like I, at the I same time, good, right? That's good, right? It, yeah. it is good. But like at the same time, Michigan, which is an elite, longstanding college hockey power, does not have women's hockey other than at the club level. Like right. what? So yes, I think. I think things are, there's pressure coming, but come on, there's still, like, Title IX, folks. Well, and I mean, mm-hmm. that, so as someone, I'm, I'm an attorney, and like, so you understand that the Title IX stuff, it gets really, really nasty really quickly, and so a lot, what, like, what yeah. a lot of schools will do is they'll try to find the cheapest possible women's sport that they can Right, to, right. So, like, what UT did was they made rowing, which is cool, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but like, it's, it requires yeah. zero investment, and so something like ice hockey requires a lot of investment, especially for schools that aren't known for mm-hmm. it, and so right don't have facilities that are equipped to handle that yeah yeah but i think i do think that for a school i think what we should really be hoping for is that schools who have men's programs add women's programs because to your point the facilities are there and while the equipment is still expensive and things like that you've got a big piece of the battle already out of the way Allison, I have one last question for you. This relates to the tattoo story that you wrote a couple of months ago. That's really, it started a trend on The Athletic with people writing about the teams that they cover and asking the players about their tattoos. How did you get the idea to do that? Like, did you see it really bad tattoo and you were like (laughs) why do you have that or was it like the opposite (laughs) yeah it was well so when Pierre-Luc Dubois came to the team because if you really think about it there's not a lot of tattoos in hockey so right when Pierre-Luc Dubois came to the team he had what at the time seemed like a large number of tattoos especially because he's so young too totally and so I was intrigued and I was like and he's a good player so this it's not like we're just writing about some some guy who may not be here long term and it just never felt like it was time to do the story and then when Elvis came to the team I was just like it's time. We just have to tell mm-hmm. the story. And the guys were great. I mean, the guys were were really awesome about it. And it built on last year, I did a story on the scars of the women's hockey team at Ohio yes. State. Yes, very, very, so very good. Cool. So uh, good. Check that out yeah. if you're listening oh, and, and have it. And have it uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible. The photos are incredible yes. too. Very multimedia. When I die, like it'll be one of my favorite things I ever did. Just that <laughs> day, the day was amazing too. But um, having done that, I kind of felt more confidence doing this. So that's how it all came together. If you had to choose one guy on the team to pick out a tattoo for Ooh. you, who would it be? Um, Alexander Wenberg. Oh, yes. That's exactly. Absolutely. It would be like small. It would be, yes, stylish. Yeah. Allison, thank you so this was much wonderful. for spending your Saturday evening in Vegas with us. <laughs> 
Dude, listen, no, but seriously, like you guys are just awesome and amazing oh, and rocking it and helping change and influence women in sport. And I'm so here for it. And I'm just oh. so excited. I got to be with you guys today. Well, and I'm going to go throw up because that was so nice. Uh, <laughs> but it was such a joy to have you on. And I hope you could come back. And also I have family in Columbus. Yes. We should go and get like rip shit. Yes, we should. Paint the town's freaking red. They're going to let me and Christina shoot the cannon <gasps> off. Yes. <laughs> all right well have fun tonight be safe don't do anything that we wouldn't Which do is. well now come on yeah. <laughs> always keep an eye on your drink use protection Allison. yes absolutely thanks again allison thanks guys bye hello it's audrey um sorry i forgot to record the outro with christina when we interviewed allison because we were just too thrilled to have her on and we are um obviously very professional so here i am doing it later this has been Puck Bunnies. If you guys have questions or suggestions for next episode, please give us a call at our hotline. It is 774-318-6952. You can follow us on Twitter at puckbunnies underscore pod. You can follow us on Instagram at puckbunniespod, no underscore. You can follow Allison on Twitter at Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N-L. Thank you again so much to Allison Lucan of The Athletic for coming on and talking to us about all things Columbus Blue Jackets and also arena press box snacks. We appreciate it. Bye, guys. See you next time.